thank you everyone for joining us uh, today, Triple Yogis out there. Uh, joined today with Swami Shogananda. Uh, and it's been so much fun because um, just completing today uh, advanced teacher training and Swami Shogananda has been uh, guiding us through the last few weeks. It's been fantastic, um, which has given me a, a, a good amount of time to, to find some, some juicy questions, hopefully, to ask. Um, and so the first one. Before like, you start, yeah. I just want to say how yeah. wonderful it was to have you in the program, mm -hmm. to know you better, mm -hmm. to see your sincerity as a spiritual seeker, and to meet your family a little bit. Mm -hmm. Someday you have folks have to see his daughter, Zen, an amazing sattvic soul. <laughs> so it was great to be with you these past three weeks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's great to be with you too. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, so. I want to ask you about the joy of teaching and also the joy of preparation because that was a message that came through to me strongly and I think for teachers um, this can be maybe a helpful um, uh, sharing to maybe just give some insight into um, your preparation before you teach because my feeling is is that you really enjoy to prepare for a class, you enjoy teaching the act of it, but you also really enjoy preparation. Um, let me think about that. I would say I really enjoy preparing the Hatha class. I like to I like to figure out the sequence. I like to test it on my own body, then present it, and then uh, once I've tested it on my body, I like to tweak it. Um, preparing workshops, I can't say a lot of fun for me. Just to organize my thoughts, it's not quite the same fun. I know it's totally necessary to <clears throat> have a clear, orderly presentation of ideas uh, and to hone it. And usually it's a matter of weeding out extraneous stuff and just get right to the main point. When I give a talk, I like to think like if I'm reading a book and I'm highlighting the main points, my talk is just the highlighted points, mm. uh, so that I'm really getting to the essence of things. And uh, yeah, I don't know if I use the word enjoying that part. Uh, and you know, now I'm doing these Bhagavad Gita video lessons. Some people may may be watching them, and and it's amazing just for those five minute video. I do have to really think about what am I going to say in four or five minutes. Uh, and, and I want it to come out pretty smoothly. I don't want to be looking at notes when I'm on video. So, uh, to be honest, uh, I really enjoy the prep work for the Hatha class. It's, like, I, I, it's fun for me to, to get that just right for the students who are going to be coming. Of course, I may have to adapt it to the students. But the workshops and other programs, uh, I put a little more so more effort to get it done right. Is that? Yeah, it's, it's totally understandable. I think, you know, no matter what we're doing, we all have preferences for, you know, how easily it comes to us. But something that's very interesting to me is, it seems to be there's two parts. One is the part is, am I going to be doing this? So either yes, I'm going to be doing it, or no, I don't have to do it. Once that first decision has been made, yes, I'm going to do this, now you have a choice. You've already decided I'm going to do this. I'm going to give this workshop. 
Okay. Now I have a choice. Do I want to see the preparation and the doing of it as something like arduous that I have to get done? Or can I shift my relationship with it since I know I'm already going to be doing with it? And that's, I'm very interested in this is seeing if we can shift our kind of mental and emotional relationship with the things that we already know we're going to have to be doing. <laughs> I mean, it's a bigger question, right? Uh, just how to enjoy all aspects of your life. Uh, yeah. Once I commit to something, I want to find a way to enjoy it. Uh, and, you know, I'm moving away from more the administrative side of things. I've done that for like more than 45 years. And I think it's time for me to move into a different direction. So at our New York Center, uh, I'm, not, I'm not the administrative head anymore. I'm the spiritual director. And once I take the administrative load off me, then I feel I have more space so the preparation, I, have to, I don't have to figure out when am I going to get this in. I have to run this whole yoga center. Uh, when am I supposed to get prepared for my programs? Your, your, your audience may be thinking, I have my children, I have my job. How am I supposed to do extra workshops? Uh, so having that space has made, has made a difference. To, I think that's the main thing about enjoying something. I feel I can, I can relax into it. I have the time to think about it carefully. I'm not pressured in terms of finding space for it. Uh, so that makes a big difference. Uh, and, I, and I do try to be selective. Like uh, I was doing this ATT, just, we just completed today. And um, I offered, to, you, know, you asked me to do this uh, uh, webinar. I said, I can do that because it's no, no preparation. I'm just walking in to see you. Uh, but I offered to do a few other things, and I saw one of them I had to back off from, which I never liked to do. Uh, uh, I made, I said I would do something, and I just saw I, with, within the confines of the program I was already committed to, the advanced teacher training, I had to say, you know what, I can't do this. It's too much pressure for me to do this. And then uh, Reverend Ruger asked me to speak at the 10-day retreat that's happening now. I really don't want to say no, but I thought about it and I said, you know, I'm here for advanced teacher training. I've got to focus. Even that takes, that's a full-time job for these three weeks. So being selective about what I accept, I do travel almost half time. Uh, and, and that's, you know, constant giving workshops and talks. Uh, so when I, I have to acknowledge that, tune in, am I supposed to do this? Can someone else do it? My life for the last number of years has been based on the principle that if, there's some, if someone else can do it, they should do it. My life, things that I have to do are more than a, a full plate. So if there's someone else can do it, they should do it. I, and I can't keep saying yes because I'm, that's actually saying no to something that actually be a high priority. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. Yeah. And it reminds me of uh, what you were speaking about in terms of finding like your own unique yeah. path and your your niche yeah, right. in life and i think that's really the stage one of what we're talking about of and that's not to be um looked at lightly like okay i just have to do all of these things because i have to well do i actually like do i have to can someone else do that thing even better than me <laughs> yeah yeah exactly because if i have even a 
maybe not the most positive association with this thing, then if someone else has a more positive association and likes it more, let me find the thing that, you know, I really enjoy and feel that I'm good at. And, um, but a question along these lines, I think is sometimes it seems like that's too much of a dream to like live my life doing the things that like I really am passionate about and maybe the the belief in whether or not it's possible is the difference between whether or not it's possible. <laughs> it helps but believe it could be possible. Yeah. 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 I think it's kind of worked out for me. I don't, I can't believe I have the life I live. So I think it is possible, uh, but whatever it is that, we're supposed to do, we're responsible for it. Just put our heart into that without uh, taking it as a big burden. And I think if we keep going in that way, if you don't have a sense of your niche, it'll show itself to you. And and the life that you, an ideal life, even more ideal than you maybe imagine, I think can unfold. Mm -hmm. It feels like that in my case. I didn't know I could have such an enjoyable, inspired, fulfilling life. Uh, I had no reason to believe this this fellow from Flushing, Queens would get to live this way. So it does help to believe that it's possible. But I think it starts from just what's in front of me, putting my heart into it without attachment to the result. Mm. And you're playing off, you're paying off your old debts and you're finishing off old karmas and you're not creating any new karma. And the, the path seems to open up. Yeah. That's what I, I found. Can gratitude be a way yeah. to open this this path? Kind of that's that's my question a little bit because yeah. it seems that like wanting everything or, or feeling that we're entitled to certain things is an obstruction um, on our path, but it's basically the the difference between feeling empty and feeling full. If you're feeling already full, then it's okay. I have to deal with what's in front of me and maybe not all of those things are going to be like my ideal way to be living, but gosh, I'm so blessed. So even if I have to do some of these things, like no big deal, what do I expect to only be able to, to be doing all the great things that I want to be doing all the time? Yeah, life is not like that, yeah. So uh, uh, express that as a question that I should respond to. Mm. What's, what's between us and living a life of more gratitude? Yeah, I, I found that it's really helpful for me to pay attention to the small things and the big things I should be grateful for by, before going to sleep, writing in my diary. Uh, I, do, I do analyze the day, but a, a big part of that diary writing is acknowledging, wow, this person did that, just small things that I should be grateful for, how things unfolded in my life that day. And it does alert me, and that makes me pay attention in my daily life to how much I should be grateful for. So I think it, it can be a, a muscle that you need to develop to just awaken that awareness that we tend to be so aware of all the things going wrong. 
and, and highlight that. Uh, and there may be a place for some of that. I, don't, I wouldn't even label it as wrong. I don't see it as wrong, but sometimes those are the things you should be most grateful for when you call wrong. But to at least uh, have some sensitivity to, there are things every day, I, I can guarantee everyone pretty much, I don't know, there might be some dire situations, but where you can be grateful for something. Do you think it's a, um, a survival mechanism that's been passed <laughs> down to us to focus on what's wrong, right? It's like you have 10 people uh, that you're in a relationship with and nine of those relationships are beautiful and healthy and wonderful. And then the one relationship and you find yourself thinking about that one all day long. Like, Why am I giving so much more attention to that one? You know, and I think maybe it has to do with just this way of surviving because whatever is wrong, I need to address that in order to keep surviving. But I guess my inquiry is maybe the next level of survival is actually flipping that over and turning to all the things that are, are great. Maybe that's a different way of surviving. <laughs> yeah surviving without all those stressful hormones coursing through our system. Yeah, I think the Homo sapiens became the, the master race somewhat because of this biological feature of, I hear something rustling in the bush. It could be a tiger, saber-toothed tiger. It could be, I better grab, grab a rock or run. We didn't think, oh, it's probably just the wind. No, it could be. So it could be that we survived because of that, mm. that doom and gloom aspect of looking at things. Um, there is a place for that still, but you know, there's something about even being able to come to the worst case scenario. It is a tiger. And now, what am I going to do? I can live with the worst. Can I live with the worst case scenario? Mm. That's a way of also kind of relaxing into. I mean, okay, worst case scenario, I'm going to die. Am I really going to die? You know, that's the, the question the OU would, would, would ask themselves. Uh, I'm speaking to, I don't know, maybe a few hundred people now. What if I say the wrong thing? Uh, uh, can you edit it out? I start to worry about all that. You know, uh, I can't. I can't relax in the moment. Uh, I can't even think straight. You know, because of, of how many people are watching. You know, what if I say the wrong thing? Uh, so, worst case scenario is that I say, uh, "Don't show this to anybody." Uh, I'm not satisfied with it. Uh, uh, so, there's something about seeing what could happen. And being able to accept that and relaxing into that, um, but that shouldn't be the only vision we have. That's I think that's your point. In that uh, okay, I can acknowledge that that helped me to survive through so many different lifetimes, uh, and now I have to also see. Here comes the sun, or the sun. Not even here it comes. The sun is already there. Mm. And you know we do learn in yoga that. Uh, there is a, a happiness within us that uh, uh, no outer thing can bring it and no outer thing can take it away. And no, even no inner thing can take it away. Even my mental state can't take it away. 
but yeah, I still, I still uh, have that syndrome you talked about. Uh, I'll read the ATT evaluations uh, when I get back, and most of them are going to be good. We had a great experience, but someone is going to say, yeah, but uh, I think this was missing, or the Swami I felt was a little this or that, and that's the one I'm going to remember. You're right about that. Uh, uh, that's the one that's going to niggle in my brain. You know. I think that maybe there's there's steps for us to overcome this in a, a gentle way, um, and I think you hear this. Yeah. And it, well, I think <laughs> as an example, I think you even sharing it is an example of taking a step in that direction. So, not taking the step means that you wouldn't even be aware of it, and you wouldn't even sh you wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say it on to anyone else. Sure. You wouldn't say it on camera, yeah. right? So that's a step, right? So I'm very interested in how can we be gentle with ourselves as we walk in these steps towards, you know, more progression. Um, because it can't just happen all, all at once. You yeah, know? yeah, you're not going to turn around at once. Yeah. These are deep-seated, some scars, impressions. Yeah, this one email that I got like two days ago that really made me jittery. I thought it was just wrong, the thinking. And, you know, I'm enjoying the ATT. I didn't want to get into this email and how I was going to respond to it, but it's sitting there. And my principle with email is that if someone writes to me, I'm going to respond within 24 hours, which would be always difficult to accomplish, particularly if I'm on a program like this. But I try to hold to that. So I knew I, I knew I had to deal with it. Yeah, there, there was something about like you're saying. So I'm being gentle with myself about it. Looking at you know what is it that is disturbing about it, and then you know then the, that basic AA question: Can I do something about it? Do I need to accept it? Can I know the difference? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and I, feel, uh, I feel that I got to a good place with it. But I, I think you're right. I had to you know, really feel what I was feeling, not feel bad that you still get so affected by these things. Uh, what type of growth have you had all these decades? I didn't do that to myself. I just saw that it was a dilemma that had to be addressed. And I, I, took, I took pretty much that 24 hours to figure out what I needed to do. So, yeah, that was a step that I took. And then I felt I was in a good space to deal with that. Mm. We've been talking about this idea of trying softer. <laughs> trying softer, yeah. Which... Uh... I think that's kind of what we're what we're saying here, a little bit, um, and I see it also maybe as as like a, a willpower of lightness, right? Say a little more about that willpower of lightness. Then. Like uh, you're you're you have, you're determined to not try so hard. <laughs> yeah, or it's not even. I think trying hard is great, but it's. It's in what ways, and 
I, you know, I feel at least in this kind of the American culture that I grew up in a lot, it's this like, you know, I need to get from point A to point B and it doesn't matter who I have to knock out of my way in order to get there. That's the kind of the trying too hard is, is that I would say. That's where the willpower Even goes. Even not someone else. I, I have to knock myself out of the way. Anything that's in my way, I'm going to knock out. Uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I feel that this relates to faith a lot. Uh, F-F-A-T-E or F? Faith. F-A-I-T-H. Because I think that this idea of kind of this determination, willpower, is not in alignment with with reality. It's a delusion, in a way. Because to me, what's what's more real and truthful is that there are so many things that happen that affect me that are outside of my control. One thing a person said to you when you're 10 years old makes you think to go to university for this profession and then you become you know, a doctor because of that. And it doesn't really take much to look, to reflect on your life and to see all these little small things that have had a tremendous impact. But to me, I think this is the elephant in the room a lot where the ego wants to take over and say, no, I'm the one that gets credit. I'm the one that decides. And humility is put into a category of like, oh, that's a really nice thing to be, to be humble. But to me, humility is just in alignment with reality because who am I to take credit for all of this? My whole life is intertwined with all of these other things. And I think that is really the core of what trying softer means and what it's all about because it's in alignment with truth. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I'm hearing two things. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to dissect them separately a little bit. Uh, there's, uh, there's the effort we put into something to accomplish something and where the source of that effort comes from. And then there's the, the taking of credit for things that we so-called accomplish or didn't accomplish, taking credit or the blame for that. Um, yeah, for the first one, yeah, willpower is uh, it's not unlimited. You're not going to, you have to decide how much, how, where I'm going to direct it, how much I actually have, uh, how strong the thing that I'm trying to direct my will toward. I mean, Arjuna in the Bhagavad Gita was in a very difficult situation. And the truth is, if he tried to handle it through his own energy, he would not have accomplished, he would have been defeated. It's an internal uh, story, really. Um, it's what uh, Joseph Campbell talks about, this archetypal myth. So he did the smart thing of getting Krishna, Sri Krishna to be his charioteer. Mm -hmm. And only with that, only with that, would you say faith, his faith let him allow Krishna to drive the chariot. He still had to do, but connected to Krishna or the higher self. And yeah, I've learned that again and again that I can, I think I do need to uh, 
expend the necessary energy to do my best and then I have to recognize when that's that's anything further now is going to come from another source of, of power and that power is not limited mm-hmm. that's not pulling on a, on a battery that's getting drained actually I think that power gets stronger through accessing it the second point about uh, I did it I accomplished it yeah that's a hard one it's always going to be some part of you that feels that I think at least I've never been able to totally think that get away from that I feeling uh, I understand the the downside of that and the the illusion of that um, I think to get out of that you really have to be above the body consciousness and have gone pretty deep in your meditation practice so you can observe the mind otherwise the party was going to claim ownership like right now can I really feel that I'm not speaking to you uh, it's not me uh, I'm observing this and the gunas of prakriti are operating now and I'm, I'm the witness to it uh, that's I know it but it may not be a deep enough level. I still have to go deeper to totally understand that. Am I addressing what you brought Totally. Yeah, 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 you're yeah. totally addressing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I really like to use rationality, like I, like I told you. You like that. Even, even, even to find the letting go, the surrender. <laughs> yeah, you rational, let go, yeah. Because even I go deeper into rationality, and I say, you know, what did what did you say about kind of using your own willpower or um, the the me the I doing something? Even if you, if if we step back and we look look at that, who is that I? You know that's doing it. Like, did I create it? Even if I do something that's that I feel is oh I did really good. I was really kind to someone. I, I helped them out okay, I can take credit for it, right? But I didn't create myself. You know, on the on, that on that level. boy who said, I want to become a doctor somehow, it all came together that this moment, I'm helping this person. Did I do that or where yeah. did it come from? Yeah. And, and I think really like, I, I've been contemplating this a little bit, that this example um, shows how deep we're caught in in the ego game this example this this uh taking credit thing because if we say okay there's there's no credit to take then what do we do like what's the point of anything if it doesn't matter if i do good things or if i do bad things if i'm not the one in charge of it there's no like scoreboard so to speak then then what's the point and i think that's the fear behind it it seems like things will be maybe like going to chaos or something that that's the uh, maybe on more of an unconscious level but what what I hear when Gurudev talks about service is that I think that he was right there and he understood it and that when you go to a, a, a point like this things don't go into chaos when you go into a point of not being attached to the eye that doesn't what you, instead you only become interested in service that's the only point. And that's the wonderful part of nature, I think, the way that it's set up. Once you give 
away that I, then it's just like, okay, what can I do that's going to be useful? How can I be useful? And there's also a softness to it. There's a lightness to how I move through everything. There's no, this rigidness, which uh, makes, makes it much more effective, I think, too. Yeah, I think uh, if you really are, you know, can accomplish what you're saying, of course, we should understand it's rare. Uh, even, even the thought, how can I be useful, won't come into your mind. Hmm. You'll be, whatever needs to be expressed yeah. will come through you. Uh, and you won't say, I did it. Uh, uh, um, but it'll end up being useful. It'll be very useful. <laughs> it'll be much more useful than if you try go out there and try to be useful. Hmm. There's a saying, the helping hand strikes again. Sometimes what we call useful, uh, please be useful somewhere else. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this, this leads me to wanting to ask you about your description of our relationship between the first self and the second self and the third and the fourth. But let's just talk about the first and the second. So would you be willing to just explain the difference between the first and the second self? Yeah. So Avi's referring to a satsang I gave uh, last Saturday um, where I talked about different me's, different levels of me. And the first me is the physical and personality level. And if you take that as your, your me, which probably, I don't know, 98 or 99% of the population do, it's like, this is the whole me, and I'm thinking that the, my pinky fingernail is me. This, I think this is me. That's the first level. But the thing is, that pinky fingernail is important. Some people say, oh, I'm attached to this and have a negative relationship toward it. You need that pinky fingernail. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the second level or the, the, the part of us that's been traveling lifetime after lifetime, probably different species, many different human births, uh, called the soul level. Uh, that's a bigger me. It's still probably uh, not the whole picture because there's a, a me that's even beyond the traveling me. Uh, so I was asking about the relationship between the first me, the pinky fingernail me, and this uh, soul me. Is that your question? Yeah, and... I re it really resonates with me when, when you say that um, it would be wise to foster a healthy relationship with that first me instead of just saying like to feel guilty or shame about, you know, maybe my attachment to the senses and to the body, that sort of thing. Or even when you talk about meditation, you know, when the thoughts come in, that that can be considered, you know, the 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 first level um instead of saying oh thoughts these are terrible thoughts why am i thinking about it instead to turn to look at it to acknowledge to accept it and then maybe from there to move in a different direction yeah yeah i mean it's true many people in spiritual life maybe even some spiritual traditions encourage this negative outlook toward the physical existence uh to desires to the senses, uh, and I took that on for a few decades, and I think it just made me more neurotic. Spiritual path 
brought out my neuroses and, and amplified them. And I think that might that also may have been good. I can be grateful for that because I just saw it. it doesn't work to approach it that way. I have to find another way. So yeah, I tried my best to get all those different pulls, often of the voices, sit so down at the table, a round table, mm. and let's hear what everyone needs to be happy or fulfilled. And I think I think I, I've worked it out to some degree. And no one, no voice, I think, is is suppressed or thought as disgusting. Uh, and I do feel that for most of us, maybe all of us, it's a necessary way to approach spiritual life to. Again, this kind of soft approach and accommodating approach to all parts of your being. That's, those are some thoughts. Uh, maybe you can pull off something more out of me, but those are my initial thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Um, it makes me think of the middle way a lot. Yeah. So to acknowledge, okay, you know, whatever it is that you really enjoy doing and maybe you feel that it's not the healthiest thing for you. Well, I think each thing is different. Each different activity that we do has a different effect on us. So maybe the idea is to develop a relationship with each of those things. So you can say, you know, man, I love eating ice cream. Right. But if I eat it every day, you know, or if I eat it too late in the evening or, or whatever it is, so you, you don't need to say, so I think I, I feel strongly that there's this tendency to fall into extremes, you know, and then that is the real trap that we want to be on a team. We want to be on a side, either. <laughs> you know, Which I'm, is my side. Yeah. I'm on the dairy side or I'm on the, the non dairy, the, the vegetarian side or that. And for some things, the answer could be no, zero, you know, like, okay, meat, I'm not going to have, you know, that could be something that you say, okay, that I don't want that ever. And that's fine too. That's your relationship with that thing. Yeah. But, you know, even, um, I don't know, even, even that for me, like, and some people can go cold Turkey and that's fine. And again, you decide for yourself how, how you're going to do it. Um, but just this process of, of constantly reflecting and saying, well, did that serve me when I ate it or when I did this? Or even time like socially with other people, you can say, okay, I really enjoy being with other people. But if I do it throughout the day, you know, and there's constant chatter and talking, you know, did that serve me? Do I have more of a need for silence? And then you say, okay, or, and to be with myself and you start to split up your day a little bit there and you say, okay, I need this amount of time silence on my own. And I need this amount of time socializing. And that sort of thing. And maybe it's overwhelming, um, but I, I feel it's very rewarding to be reflecting on and constantly, you know, sculpting a relationship with, with our senses, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. That's my experience also. The middle way that Buddha talks about, the Bhagavad Gita talks about, uh, is harder than either extreme of indulgence or asceticism. And the ego, 
I think prefers extremes, you know, and I and I did extreme things, both on both sides, indulgence and asceticism. Usually they go together, you know. If you're too ascetic, you end up pulling the spring back too far, and then you indulge more than any normal person would. And I think I had to go through all those experiences, of extremes. And some people may think I'm still extreme. To me, I really moderated myself. Just, just I think age and maturity, but also just, as you're saying, just learning, watching and learning lessons. That, does this serve me well uh, to overdo this or to deny myself this and, and find that, uh, the right flow in my life? Uh, it takes a lot of maturity to enjoy life properly. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was happy to see Swami Satchitananda move about in this world, to see that, yeah, you can live in this world and really enjoy it. And it's a different message than most spiritual traditions. You can, as embodied beings, living with the senses in the world, you can really have fun. But you have to be really mature, spiritually mature. I think perhaps the the biggest obstacle is other people and comparing ourselves to that. Well, Be- even that is ourself, right? My, the problem is me comparing ourselves to other people, not the other people. Oh, you think it's the other people? Or is it no, I think that, no, exactly what you said. That yeah. The issue is comparing, yeah. because it's all relative, because, you know, you say, okay, well, at least I'm not doing something as much as they're doing. Right. They're, they're setting the table for what is appropriate. Hmm. Right? It's like, for myself, sometimes I'm overwhelmed with, um, uh, it's a little bit judgmental, but like, it seems that general culture and society is very unhealthy in a lot of ways. For, for example, the tendency to pick these teams and, and sides. And so to place yourself so far out is, is scary. Um, but to me, that's the real game is to tune inside and say, how much of this thing is good for me, not, well, at least I'm doing it less than that guy, you know, over there, that that's our level, you know, of, of comparison. Yeah. Yeah, I used to always, the only way I could assess myself was by comparing myself with others. I do think you gradually get an internal scale that weighs accurately, uh, but it took me a while. I had no way of, of determining, am I a sincere person? Am I doing this properly? I guess comparing myself to others was the only way I could assess myself. And it's not a good measurement tool. Uh, everyone has their own path. So it did take me quite a while. I'm still, not that I've accomplished it, but I'm still working on it. But I think that's the thing, to find my own way of assessing this the right amount, too much, too little. Yeah, I think food is a great example for you. You know, you, you eat one meal a day. Right. And like that takes a certain amount of like really tuning in and what what serves me, you know, it rings in my head, you know, comments that, I, you know, when I was a child saying, oh, breakfast is the most important meal of the day, stuff like that. Or, you know, most everyone else around is having three meals every day and that's exactly what they're doing. So to step away from that, it, it takes 
I don't know what it takes, but it takes something. Yeah, yeah. the beginning <laughs> took some craziness. Uh, now it would take a tremendous act of discipline for me to eat a second meal or even have even a snack. Uh, I, my system, after like 47 years, my system is just, this is how it is. Uh, uh, and it, it's adapted to it, it works for it. Uh, there may be people who say, no, that's not a healthy way to, you know, to have your stomach so empty and then stuff it. But my fire is bright after like 23 hours, I'm ready to eat again. One day a week fasting, so that's almost 48 hours between meals. Uh, it seems to work for me. I feel 67 years old, I'm probably in the best shape of my life. Uh, mm. yeah. But yeah, I don't recommend it to anybody. Uh, I don't pr propagate that. Uh, it has to be it has to come from the right place to, to do that. Mm. There are people who say, you know, uh, from your example, I'm trying this out. This one lady I'm thinking about, uh, she's on the Oak Alliance board with me. She said, yeah, I, I watched you at these board meetings. You only eat one meal. It's really, and so me and my husband are trying it out. And, she, and the next meeting, we meet every quarter. She said, it's really working for me. I said, okay, that's, that's good to hear. She has the support of her husband. But uh, I don't, I don't talk about it much. Yeah. yeah, it takes a certain amount of reflection. Yeah. I've been doing a lot of thinking about it myself yeah. because, you know, just noticing. You know, I, I fast once a week, and I know, okay, how do I feel on the day that I fast? Or if I ate lighter, how do I feel? And if I ate heavier, then where's my energy level about? And also, like to identify, is that my goal? Because I think it is. My goal is to have as much energy as possible. I want to have energy. Yeah. And so, what what serves that? there's something to also tasting pleasure and that giving you energy, <laughs> right. you know? So it's not so clear cut always, but it's just, that's why I think of life as art in a lot of ways. It's, it's, just, it's just art and say, okay, how did I feel now after I did this? It's an art um, form. Yeah. 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 But you're right. I like the, you're, what you're saying is that there, the main purpose of course is, is the energy of the prana in the food that's going to help me to operate in this world. But then there is the enjoyment of it. Uh, and hopefully they go together that the, the enjoyment also, as you say, brings a certain energy. Uh, just how do I discipline that enjoyment part so that, of course, if I overload or put the wrong combination of things in, then I'm not going to, I'm going to deplete the energy. Mm. So, yeah, eating is a, is a true sign of working with the senses in a mature way that's the big that's one of the big ones you know again i think this is a place where gratitude comes in <laughs> because if the gratitude is sincere you say and you, and you feel full how many great meals have i had in my life how many different varieties yeah. of food do i need to to keep on you know just having that many more of them and yeah you know or just, I don't know. Yeah, the other out. day, uh, Malati made uh, a, a meal for the staff. Uh, she made the dessert for the staff. And she made this amazing, it was a health food dish, so I was a little skeptical. Uh, I, I'm a little skeptical of health food desserts. But it, the texture, the sweetness, it was amazing. No sugar. Uh, uh, and it, it was interesting to see. I had a, a, a normal slice of it, and you know what? I'm satisfied, which was shocking to me. Normally, um, as a medium, I'm thinking about the next slice. Right. 
But it was, it's exactly what you said, you know, like, I could be so grateful. This is so good. Uh, that was enough, which is kind of rare for me. Because mm. yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to eat it later. I'm not going to have it next night, you know, at night. That I'm not going to have it for dinner. So this is it for me. Mm. That's my mind. That's my mind thing. So, but I don't know. I'm satisfied. Mm. Yeah. Okay, I think I want to challenge you a little bit on one thing, right. if I can. Right. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> ah, this idea of digging a deep well, okay, um, and uh, I think Swami Sachidananda was very big on this, you know, find your well and dig it deeply. Um, I don't want to say that I disagree with it, but I think the main point that's also important that goes with that message is to make sure that you, you're in the right place to choose your well to dig. Because if, if, and my point is here that I think often we, we maybe are slaves to the decisions of, of, that we've made in the past. You make a resolution in the past and you say, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm committed to it for however long, but maybe some point in the future, you reflect and say, I've, I'm not in that same place that I was in before, you know? And so kind of the promises that we made to our past selves have the potential to hold us back, you know, in, in the future. And it seems to me that it would be wise to constantly be reflecting and, and asking, oh, is this still the, the well for me? Knowing that, hey, if, it's, if I choose to dig a, a, another well to start that, that resonates more, that that's okay too, to kind of give yourself this sort of, of freedom. I think the question is okay. Is this working for me? But I think it's, you know, it's not... A question where you're it's not a doubt it's a, a it's an awareness of how you're ben, being benefited or not being benefited I think a doubt constantly doubting as you're digging the well will weaken your digging, your digging capacity you you'll stay more in the surface rock you won't get through the hard rocks uh, because that doubt is going to weaken you. So I think it's okay to stay alert. I think it could even help to dive deeper, your, the awareness of, uh, is this working for me? Uh, for me, I think I was lucky, you know, at a very young age to find the path and to find that I never, you know, after a certain period, just drop all doubts and just mm. keep digging, you know. Or even, doesn't feel like I'm digging anymore. It's being dug for me you know, at a certain point, you know. Um, and I see that it's a little unusual to, for people to to find their path and to, to commit to it, particularly at a young age. Um, I do feel I benefited from that. Um, and 
I do think, you know, if it's really the right path for you, particularly if the teacher is guiding the right way, you'll never feel guilty about saying, you know what, I, I was so grateful for what I got on that path, and now I see I'm veering in a different direction, and and the teacher or the, the lineage should support that, uh, uh, go in that direction. Yeah, you know, you should always be grateful for what you got from how much water you got from that well. Hopefully you got some something from that well, or even the attempt to dig had some some benefit. And then hopefully with that resentment, you okay, I, I need to turn direction. It never happened to me, so I can't talk about it from personal experience, but it makes sense that people would get something from a certain point and then maybe find another direction. Mm. But there is something beautiful about this is it, you know, diving in head first and it works for you, you know, seeing it yeah. works, yeah, yeah. I feel it's just important to, to kind of make the distinction of when you know that it's it, and that's a beautiful thing. When you're like, this is it, my heart, it's in my heart, doing it. Um, but as opposed to what, what I think maybe can happen when some people hear that, where like some kind of uh, neurosis might develop, where it's, I need to, I need to choose now, as opposed to, no, I'm just going to wait until my heart and having faith and trust that like, okay, the heart will call to me when the time is. So not forcing it, basically. Yeah, Gurudev didn't, he didn't want me or even let me to take initiation until I was totally clear. Mm. Uh, no doubt, you know. Uh, and even then, you know, I, I did come to me that clarity, but, you know, yeah, clarity may not stick later on. Some things came up. But once those things passed, once I overcame that, it's been a clear trajectory. I think I just still have more faith and devotion and surrender, but um, yeah, it was, uh, there's something beautiful about facing your doubt, transcending it, and just diving deep. But yeah, I, I don't recommend diving deep until that doubt has been looked at very carefully. Mm -hmm. That's why when some people come to me about our lineage and taking commitment to our lineage, which first means mantra initiation, I really discourage it. Mm. I mean, they don't, to get through me, you have to be, because that's what Gurdjieff did to me, mm. you have to show me that you have that lack of doubt and clarity. For some people, certain traditions, they really encourage to get initiated, uh, join their lineage, and even some of our, our folks are more liberal about that. But I, I like to know that the person worked through their stuff and now they're going to stick with it. Because I've seen too many people get initiated and then a few years later they, they don't have any relation toward it. It's very challenging, I think, today's day more than ever because there's so much stimulation and so many messages yeah, yeah. Come, coming at you. You really have to have a strong practice, a meditation practice, I think. You have to have, a, yeah. you have, to have some connection to the Sangha also. Yeah. That's why the Buddha talked about it. It's mm -hmm. not just the teacher and the teachings. You, it's like you say, there's too much out there to pull you away if you don't have a community that's supporting that. So, and you know, most people aren't going to live in an ashram. They have to find ways of developing that community. What, what are you doing now? And what we're doing now is how we're doing it with technology. Right. It's hopefully helping to build a community.
I really appreciate the work that you're doing with the DA. Uh, it's making a difference. Yeah, thanks. It's yeah. fun. <laughs> Which brings me, I think, one of the final questions I have okay. uh, is about fun. Gurudev says that God wants... By the way, you're challenging me. It was not too bad. wasn't too bad? Okay. <laughs> Good. Um, this is from the video last night. Uh, that Gurudev said that God wants us to have fun and that the world isn't serious. Okay, that the world is not serious. How do we operate now on this level? <laughs> you know, uh, yesterday... Uh, Kala, one of our TA, advanced teacher trainees, her family came uh, to join us for their graduation and, uh, and then the meal. So I sat with her kids, her and her kids during the meal. So she has uh, uh, two daughters and then a very young child. Uh, so I asked her to tell me, uh, you know, what's the quality, in one word, what's the quality of each of these? So uh, she looked at the older daughter Mira, and she said, uh, love. And I used to say a little bit more about that, how she, she's just, it's natural to give. She won't be thinking about what she should take. And I said, that's good, but make sure she, I said, Mira, make sure you, you're, you're taking care of your, your body, your instrument, so that you can keep giving. The other one she said uh, was uh, humor. She always has uh, the light side of things somehow. I said, what about this young fellow? He's what was it, maybe three years old? Mm. And she, said, I, she asked, so what about you? She says, I'm a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought about that on the way home from lunch. I thought, so what about what about you? And I and I you know, it's interesting. Uh, on the way, as I was thinking about that, someone was working on a sign leading to the monastery, and they took the sign down, and they were walking away. I said, where are you going with that sign? And I hope you understood I was kidding around. <laughs> and he's, he said, oh, oh uh, I'm, I'm going to bring it back, you know. <laughs> but I like that, uh, I don't know this fellow, but I like that I, I, I t something just lighthearted came out of me. And I do think that's, that's the direction that I want to, uh, I am moving in after being such a kind of a heavy, feeling a heavy load on my shoulders. I do feel that, uh, and it's taken, you know, all these years to feel, if I was going to say the one quality is this uh, lightheartedness, good humor and fun. Something like uh, she was saying about her second daughter. Uh, and it's easy to do when everything is relaxed and mm -hmm. uh, you're in good company and uh, I'm at this ashram, I'm having a blissful time. Uh, but even when I get those emails that are going, I want to learn how to keep it, Lighthearted. Don't get too caught up in this drama here. Mm. So I do really believe it's a temporary situation. This, I don't want. It doesn't mean I don't take it seriously. Gertz said, "Don't take it serious," but it doesn't mean be flippant about it. Uh, but I want to have the right level of seriousness and the right level of enjoying the story that's going on around me. I do ultimately believe that what the saints say is that it's not that much different than the dreams you have in your sleep, this level. It's also a projection. Uh, so it's really fun if you can be at that level to see how you're getting caught in your own dream 
and to suffer that can be fun. How I'm getting caught in this email thing and or this stressful situation or I don't have enough money, I don't have a partner, I don't have whatever it is. Well, I have a partner and this is a miserable, you know. Uh, so uh, that's my, to, your, the, the answer for me is uh, uh, it evolves through practice and uh, I don't think I, I, I'm consciously developing it. It is happening. I mean, you saw me in TT. I, I, my job was to, I think, keep it light, but I didn't feel it was my job. I felt that was naturally what should come from, from me. I, it was my favorite part of it. The, the whole experience, the training, I didn't realize how often you were going to make me laugh, to be honest. <laughs> you, you just did all the time. And uh, it's wonderful. Yeah, and I'm not it's, trying to be a comedian. I yeah, just, uh, let's, let's have fun time. You know, yeah. it's so great to be together. Let's enjoy it. And it's such a breath of fresh air, yeah. too, to even, this is where I think kind of in a way like determination or having a practice can be helpful for us. But it's often in areas like this where we won't necessarily make it into a practice because it's too much fun. Like you're making fun your actual practice yeah. and realizing that's a great service to other people to just be this light spirit that's, you know, joking around and not taking themselves too seriously. Yeah. To me, it's as important of a service as, as any. It's one of the best service. I mean, that's great have served us so well that way. Keeping it light. Don't make it a heavy, serious thing. Uh, and I, luckily, I somehow I'm absorbing that and it's starting to manifest. Mm. <laughs> I'm glad you felt that. that oh, yeah. <laughs> Big time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad. Thank you so much. Mm. So enjoyable to have this dialogue with you. Yeah, Thank same. You. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. <laughs> Loka samasta suki no bhavantu. May the entire universe be filled with peace and joy, love and light.